We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wale Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. So I know this answer to this question. Tell the church your age. So Six, that they won't... They won't. 66. Did you hear that? Did you? No, you didn't 66. hear. 66. 66. Now you heard that. Brother Ron is 66 years old. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So very quickly, let's start. Let's begin with your favorite um, scripture, passage of the Bible. Tell Mark. us what your favorite scripture is and why it is so and what that scripture does to you. Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of times you just have to trust him and not try and mumble it up in your brain. Just trust him. He'll come through. Amen. What, 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 what made that to be your favorite um, verse of the Bible or verses of the Bible? It helped me when my son passed away. I, I, I was thinking, you know, a lot of things, but he said, no, just trust in me that I've got everything in, in control in my, and, and that's why it just gave me peace and an assurance that everything's going to be all right. Don't try and reason it. Don't try and think it out. And, and I do a lot of funerals and yeah, said so. yeah. and, uh, and that's the scripture I use mm. to tell the people, don't, don't try and read into it, you know, just, just, just trust in God, give it to him, give him your struggles, your sorrows, your weaknesses, and trust in him, he'll come through. Amen, glory <laughs> to God. Without a doubt, if you worship here, you know that verse or verses of scripture is very dear to my heart, quite very, very deep, basic, simple instruction. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Leaning not on your... Please, can you have it displayed on the screen? Lean not on your own understanding. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. What does it mean to acknowledge him? It's to bring him in into every situation. Mm -hmm. And it would give you the clarity. It would give you the direction. You know, especially as we're crossing into the new year right now, it's extremely very important for people to trust the year, to trust in the Lord as they journey through the year. Isn't it? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Celebrate Jesus. <laughs> so I'll go right now. Um, you've been a member of this ministry for a while. And about a couple of weeks back, you and I had the opportunity, you know, of, of speaking and talking very intimately, you know, in this room. And you shared with me some very, very um, deep and very... Um, inspiring um, stories, you know, if I may use that word about your life. I choose to, you know, see it from the perspective of um, transformation. How many of you know the author called Francis Rivers here? Francis Rivers authored a book called The Redeeming Love, you know, and I, I, I kind of likened your the story or the journey of your life. Don't let me use the word story. You know, the journey of your life to seeing 
to, to, to that person who was walking in the path of destruction or in the path of darkness and whom God, you know, turned around, you know, brought back home, you know, and gave a new lease of life. Hallelujah. So I want you to, you know, just like you shared with me then, you can begin from maybe, did you know when you were conceived? If you knew when you were conceived and when you, when you were birthed, I would have said you should begin from the day you were birthed. Hallelujah. Give us a rundown or give the church a rundown of, of your life. I would leave the floor to you right now. I, I was born in a, on a First Nations reserve uh, near Camp Sack, Saskatchewan. It's called Kizigwis. It's the best reserve in Saskatchewan. No, just kidding. Uh, in, and it, uh, I was born there and I went to residential school and I stayed in residential school till I was 16. I was transferred to another school because of my good behavior. No, just kidding. Uh, I was transferred and then from there I ran away when I was 16 and I came to the city. I ran here to the city and all I knew what to do was to drink and do drugs. I, uh, At 16 years old? 16, yeah. They said you can run away from school and they won't chase you. So I tested them and they didn't chase me. <laughs> and I've been here since, like I've been here since I got in trouble with the law and I went to prison for a while. And in prison, that's where I gave my life to Jesus. I was contemplating... I was, con I was contemplating suicide, and I, I shared with you the booklet that, yeah. I, that I found on my desk. It's called The Four Spiritual Laws, mm. and it was on my desk or on my, in my, my room when I got to my cell. And I read it, and I, it had four laws there that, of how to come to Christ. And it had a prayer in the back, and I prayed that prayer over and over again because I was, I was really contemplating death and I called on the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Save me. What year was this? Like how many years ago was in this? Nine, about 1979. 1979. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. How many years were you in the prison for? Do you mind sharing? Six. Six years. Well, I was reduced to four. Uh, it was reduced to four years after six. It was, the okay. sentence was six, but it was reduced to four, but I end, ended up doing six because of violation of parole. Oh, okay. Violation of parole. Yeah. Okay. And I called on the Lord, got saved, and then I, I was praying this prayer, and all of a sudden, something broke in my spirit. I, I kept praying this prayer, this one prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life, save me, forgive me for my sins, because I sinned, and I didn't some, you know, I wasn't goody-goody. I, I was, I called on him, and I said, and all of a sudden, something broke, and just like, uh, something broke in my spirit, and I looked on my floor, and I seen raindrops falling on my floor in my cell. I looked up again, and there was nothing. I looked down, and there was big raindrops. And all of a sudden, I felt a peace inside me, just, just like a high that I've never ever felt before. since before or since. And, and I just dove on my bed and slept like a baby. I was transferred to the prison, and I stayed there for three years. And I had a dream. I was, I was building up anger and resentment. I didn't know Jesus came into my life. I, I didn't, nobody taught me the Bible. Nobody, but he came into my life that I knew that. But I didn't know nothing about scripture, nothing about God. But as I was, I was, I was contemplating paying people back because I was, I was beat up in school. I was lied to by teachers. I was mistreated by teachers. Uh, one of my relatives used to beat us up when we were kids when they would babysit us. And, you know, I was contemplating anger and bitterness is all building up to pay them back when I got out. And uh, this one guy came to my cell at 10 o'clock. He would give us tea and uh, bread. 
And then he said, look at yourself in the mirror, Ron, you look terrible. I had hair down to my shoulders, past my shoulders. My face was blotchy, I was way overweight. And I, my eyes were dark and I, I looked like a big, you know, I looked mean and ugly. <laughs> if you can imagine that. And, and I did look at myself in the mirror in the very next day. This was a supernatural thing. I walked, I went to breakfast, came back, and I, you had to get a pass to go wherever you wanted to go. And I, and I just got up and I walked to the chaplain's, chaplain's office. And it was quite a ways different. You had to go maneuver all over, quite a ways from where I was. And I got there, I sat down on my chair, and I was just, I was just angry. I was, I want to forgive these black, black people. I want to forgive everything. I want to, I, everything came up, all bitterness, anger, wrath, you know, going to do this, going to do that, came, came out just, and I was crying, just letting it all out, just letting all this bitterness out. I felt just so free. After I got up, I must have sat there for about half an hour pouring out my, half an hour to an hour pouring out my garbage to him. And he just sat there looking at me, that priest. And uh, that's who I can, it says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. And he prayed for me. And I, I went back and I felt like a big load was lifted off my shoulder and I was walking back to my cell a long ways. And I felt like jumping and leaving. I felt so happy. Man, that's the joy so of good. salvation. Amen. So Celebrate good. Jesus. But, but I didn't jump in praise because there was, there was guards in the gun towers and they might have thought I was nuts or something. You know, I, don't <laughs> I don't know what, they, you know, I didn't do it. I just yeah. walked back, and I, but I was just joyful in my heart. The very next day, I went to bed that night and the very next morning, I woke up, my, I woke up and I sat up straight on my bed. I seen two big doors opening and a big bright light opening and shining through. I went to breakfast and I was coming back from breakfast and the, the main jail guard, guard, said, please pack your stuff, you're going to the farm annex. He wouldn't have let me go until I forgave. Just forgive your faults, forgive others for you to be forgiven. When I forgave all those people, he set me free from the minimum, uh, maximum security prison to a minimum. Yeah. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Until you forgive. And then I forgave. When I forgave, I went there. And I, I seen all these little Christians. Uh, I didn't know they were Christians, but I mean, I, they were all joyful and there's, they were going around sharing scripture and this and that. And I was looking at them, following them, watching them. And I joined them. And I, then I started to get on fire for the Lord. I went to their services. Men would come in to the prison and sing songs and pray with us and talk with us. And one of them was Cam Fontaine and Roger Armbruster, good men that shared the gospel. One night, the Spirit of the Lord said, Ron, uh, I'd like you to go to Bible school. He spoke that in my heart, and I wrote on my little tablet. I said, where? I didn't know. I just wrote on my tablet, where? And three nights later, that man came. And as they were leaving, we, we shared the scripture, prayed, did all the chapel, little chapel service. He said, oh, Ron, I got, a, I got a pamphlet for you here. He said, he gave me a pamphlet. And when I looked at that pamphlet, it's the Bible school in Alberta, and he said, and the Spirit of the Lord said, there. Mm. And so I went, so I applied to Bible school. What year was this that you went to Bible uh, school? 82. 82? Yeah. Okay. 83. And then um, I didn't make it that first time. Mm -hmm. I was alone. I was growing. I, I was broken. I was still dealing with things in my life. One of them was the generational curses and generational stuff that was affecting families. 
and I had to get that broken. And I got that broken, I was able to be more free. Amen. And then I, as I got more free, I got, then I, then I met and married a woman who had seven children. Then we went up and adopted another one that was a, a special needs child. Uh, mm. not, uh, not adopted, but we claimed him as our own. We brought him from the hospital. We signed papers to have him as our own. He had half a brain. And uh, the Lord said, take him, keep him, have him. So we took him. And he's still alive today, but he's not with me. He's with his mom. Glory to God. And, uh, so. hmm. and they, okay, so um, let's, let's pick it. Do you mind getting, um, what do you call it? Can you pass this on that side? Amen. He has one, okay. Amen. You can just put it on the, yeah. Okay, so let, let's take it off from the Bible school. At what point were you let out of jail? What year was that? Were you let out of jail? Were you released from, from, from jail? Oh, after I got to the farm annex, I applied for Bible school from there, 79. I applied, and then I got in. It, it, it was, uh, that's the way it had to happen. Tell us about your Bible school experience. Oh, awesome. I know you you did masters in theology too. Yes, I did. Yes, tell us about all. all well, I did a, a bachelor of arts degree first, and then I went into the ministry. And in the ministry, somebody lied about us. So had, come again. Somebody lied about us. Okay. Then, then I had to pull away from the church. We didn't want to fight with anybody, so we just we knew it was a lie, and we didn't want to fight with anybody, so we said we're just going to leave. So we pulled ourselves out of the church, and then. Uh, I went for my master's in the meantime. I got a master's degree. Uh, they asked, they allowed us seven years, but I finished it in two and a half. I wanted to complete it. Then, then after that, I, I applied. I, I put my resume out, you know, just seven places. And the first one that came up, I'll, I'll take. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I got a job with young people. Yes. And, yes. and I counsel with them now. And I, yes. I, I'm, I'm going to what you do. I'm still going to go to what you do right now and how you use your life to impact and rescue other people. But there was this experience that you had shared with me about, um, you spoke to me so much about anger mm-hmm. and how you were practically swimming in anger. Even after you accepted Jesus, it was difficult for you to let go of the, of the hurt, you know, that people had done against you. Mm-hmm. Then you shared about um, an experience with a guy, maybe a cult or a rival cult group or something that was coming to you and had... Oh, uh, yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell us about that. I was I was still on the streets then and I was uh, going to the... Were you, were you out of the pr- I prison? I was out of, out of prison, yeah. Okay, so tell us yeah. about that experience. What happened? Tell us first about your relationship with the with this person and how this person met you, what the person attempted to do and all of that. Yeah, well, when you're drinking and drugging, you kind of meet up with enemies, so... Uh, I had a few enemies after I came to Christ, and, and I didn't deal with anything. I just let everything go, but they were coming after me. And I was standing in a soup line, and the Bible says, uh, I found out in the Bible that it says, uh, your ways please him, he will make even your enemies to be at be peace, peace with, with you. you. Hallelujah. And, and as I was standing in that soup line, uh, these two guys were going to come at me, and I was just trusting in the Lord because I threw my blade away. That The Lord said, throw your blade away, trust in me, and... Uh, because if you, if you keep that blade, the Spirit of the Lord said, if you keep that blade, you're going to use it. The enemy is going to get you to use it, and you're going to be in worse trouble. Mm. So I threw the blade away, 
and I trusted the Lord for protection. And as I was standing in that soup line, these guys came at me, and I was just, I was just standing there trusting. You know, they might have hit me, knocked me. Well, I don't know what they would have done to me, but uh, that was a test. Mm-hmm. And and they came at me, and all of a sudden, they put up their hand and said, "We're sorry for what happened." Wow. The first one shook it, shook my hand, and then the second one shook my hand. Just standing and trusting the Lord, and I said, because I found that scripture and I stood on it, and I said, "Your ways please the Lord." And I was doing my best to please the Lord. I was I was falling once in a while, but I was doing my best. I was going to church. I was I was starting to clean up my life, and and uh, my enemies just made friends with me, and and I was protected a lot of times. Amen. But when you saw them, you know, coming towards you. Your reaction was that they were coming to hurt you. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were coming. So they were actually coming to hurt you? Yeah. Oh, really? Were they armed? Did they have... No, no, no. They were going to just start fighting or shaking or whatever. But but the Lord probably changed their mind when they they stood stood there for a while. And I was standing there for a while too. And he looked at me and all of a sudden, he put his hand up and shook my hand. And that happened again in Alberta when I used to witness on the street. A guy was trying to come in and uh, disrupt our coffee house. He was jealous of Jesus, God, or whatever. <laughs> he tried to disrupt our, our little coffee house and he tried to fight me. And I said, and I read the book, uh, Nicky Cruz. Mm. You know, Jesus loves you. Mm. So I, well, I tried that on him and it worked. I said, Jesus loves you. And he was trying to hit me and he couldn't hit me. Something holding his arm, he was trying to. He couldn't, he couldn't hit me. And every time I seen him after that, he would he'd, he'd walk on the other side of the street. He wouldn't come on the same side as me. Come on, celebrate Jesus. <laughs> wow. At, how, how, did you, um, how did you get out of the doldrums? How did you get, how did you become free? Aside from the salvation, how did you break free from you know, addiction, that terrible lifestyle, the gang life, the drugs, the whatever. How did you, what was your projection, I mean, progression like? How did you break free? And um, at what point did you become clean and you knew that you were never going back, you know, I, to that vomit? I, I kept going to church, I kept reading the word, and then, uh, but I keep on falling. But one time I got, I got taken up here in uh, Regina uh, I seen tracks in the snow. I asked my sons. I got, I got let go from the drunk tank. They called the police on me. I wasn't hurting anybody, but they, I was acting up. So if you're acting up, they'll call on you. So they called on me, and I went and and from the drunk tank, I walked home uh, to the no frills area from the city police here. I walked home, and it was a nice, cold, crisp day, and lots of thinking to do. I seen tracks in the snow when I got home and I asked my boys, I said, whose tracks are those? He said, those are yours. Those are my tracks from being dragged from the steps to the police car. And I went to my room and I was embarrassed, man. Oh, I was just embarrassed by my sons, my family. I was just, and I picked up my black Bible. I used to have a black Bible. I picked it up and I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. You ever hear that term in A, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? I heard that term and I was sick and tired of this. And I picked up my Bible and I said, Lord, you delivered people in the Old Testament. You delivered people in Psalms and Proverbs. You delivered people in the New Testament. From this day forth, I pray that you deliver me in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I put that Bible down. Two, three days later, I realized, hey, I don't want to drink. Because I used to want to drink every day. I was an alcoholic. Mm. And when the alcohol went, the drugs went too. Because I used to fix every now and then. I used to do drugs every now and then. But alcohol was the main mm. problem. But he totally delivered me. And I've never had a desire or temptation. I even, I even drove some of my nephew's friends around there drinking. You know, that's what they wanted to do. So I said, well, okay, I'm offering my love to help them because I didn't want them to get in car accidents. So I was driving them around, and I, I never even tempted, not even bothered, not even, doesn't even bother me anymore. So there is no, there is no attraction between? Nothing. After you made that prayer? Yeah. yeah. Ever since that, that's been over 30 years ago. After that, after that, I got my education. I was working in a courthouse with young, with, uh, with people. Yeah. I, I, was, I was able to talk for people. I wasn't able to talk for myself, <laughs> but I was able to talk for people. So people would get me to help them uh, mediate, talk to the judge. And I got good at it, and I kept, I stayed there for a year and a half. And when I was walking up the court, court steps one day, the Spirit of the Lord said, go get your education. Mm. I was reading a letter from a ministry, John, uh, Jeremiah 33, 3. I was reading that letter as I was getting my application filled out at the university. John 3.33 says, Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which I know is not. It's like those words bounced out at me and went back on the page, and I said, God, help me to get my education and do something with my life. As soon as I prayed that, I, prayed, I read the finished letter, and the lady said, Mr. Cruises, your, letter, your application is accepted. I did those four courses, and I was able to go to any university, any college, and I went back to Bible school. Wow. I got my bachelor's, then after that, I got my master's. I, after, after we did the, with that uh, deal with that uh, forgiveness thing with the people that lied about us, the pastor called us and said, Ron, we're sorry we heard the wrong person. And I could have sheepishly said, well, I, I could have told you that. No, just, but, you know, get it done. I was just joking. But he, but he, uh, he told me, you know, we're, we're sorry for what happened. And, but it, but uh, then, then we moved on. Then I was, I was doing my master's. Then when I finished my master's, and I was in another job. I, I don't know about you. You, you know, um, a very central lesson, you know, in his life's journey has been his ability to stay on the word. Did you notice that? And you see, this is the same thing that I teach us all the time. John chapter number 17, verse 17. Jesus speaking, praying to the Father concerning his disciples said, Lord, sanctify them by thy truth. He says, thy word is truth. One of the things many believers don't know is that the word carries a purifying power. The word has the ability to cleanse mm -hmm. completely, mm -hmm. completely. You know, I can be a witness to your distaste, you know, for alcohol and any life that's not glorifying God because that was the same way God delivered me. I've shared that with you all repeatedly. When I stopped drinking was when many of my own mates started drinking. So much such that there is no... There is no attraction. And that's why many times when I'm praying, I'm praying for, um, you know, people, you know, wallowing in sin and all of that. I usually say that 
God would put, would create an enmity, you know, between you and that desire of the flesh. You see, and that is possible. You are stuck, you know, on pornography. God is able to capacitate you, you know, to begin to detest it. So much such that, just like him, you know, when after released, you know, from um, the station that particular night, he went back into his room, you know, and the eyes of his understanding was just opened and he began to, you know, feel so sorry for himself and for mm-hmm. his family. You see, and that's exactly, you know, the story of the prodigal son. Bible says at some point he came back to his senses. Yeah. You know, and he said, even in my father's house, things are not this bad. I'd rather go to my father's house, you know, and eat, you know, the, the meals meant for the pigs, you know, than, you know, do nonsense, you know, around here. Hallelujah, glory to God. So since then, over 30 years, you've, you've stayed absolutely clean, no desire for alcohol and, and all of that. Okay, so now. Delivered. Uh, delivered. Hallelujah, glory to God. Then you had mentioned um, briefly earlier on about the fact that um, um, family, you said something about family deliverance that you knew that you had to be delivered from. Oh, uh, generational. Generational, yeah, generational. that was the word you used. Yeah. How did you know that, you know, there were generational battles, you know, that were confronting you and you had to really be delivered from them after you accepted the Lord Because Jesus? I was having a tough time my first year in Bible school. I kept going two steps forward and one step back. I kept going three steps forward and two steps back. Spiritually, I wasn't, there was just like a block there. Something was going on. I wasn't really able to memorize scripture. I wasn't able to to concentrate or, I, my heart's desire was there, but I was having a struggle being there. And then, and, and then a lady walked by. No, I was walking by and she was sitting in a car. The Bible school, you know, the, the students go all over. This, after It was after hours. And she was sitting in a car praying. She was a prayer woman. She was about, I was about 22, and she was about 45. She was an older lady. And she said, Ron, when I look at you, I see stuff. She's kind of prophetic. Yeah. She was able to see where the knowledge that there was struggles in my life. And she said, you need to break your generational curses. And that's the first time I came across that, mm. that it broke generational curses off my life, generational sins, stuff forefathers stuff that our fathers and amen didn't even didn't even know that they mm-hmm. did amen they had to be cut off and repented of and broken off amen after that i started my grades started to go up i started the poor grades i was dumber than a doornail wow i was 50 my first my first year was 50s and 60s my second year was 60s and 70s third year was up, 70s yeah. and 80s, yeah. 90s, 100s. Wow. And my masters, I was asking for a big brother. I said, Lord, send me somebody to help me do papers and do this and that. The Holy Spirit showed me everything about what I need to know about going to school. I walk in the library and I said, Lord, show me what books to put in my paper. And he would show me what books to put in my paper. And I passed all my papers. They never, the only one... The only one that came back was the first one because I didn't know how to write an outline. I didn't know how to put an outline in the paper. The guy was gracious enough. He worked with Native people. He's gracious enough to send me my paper back and instruct me and help me. And since then, I did 
awesome papers mm. by the help of the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Let me, I, I want to take us, I want to backtrack to um, your residential school system experience. Mm -hmm. um, many people watching, of course, because of my own field of career, I know a lot about, or quite a bit rather, about residential school system. I've done a number of researches. And I think during um, Festival of Grace, the minister's conference, I still shared with the people, you know, about residential school system. Now, you went to a residential school, right? Mm -hmm. Right? And um, that was more like a first school where, um, you know, um, the, the healing from that is where um, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, you know, was formed. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have the um, um, Truth and Reconciliation Day, the Orange Church Day, right? Mm -hmm. I think October... This September, anyways. So, um, I know that it's not possible for a child to be birthed right now, and the child, you know, just swims into drugs or alcohol or just becomes um, reckless. Uh, it perhaps would be as a result of what the child sees in his environment while growing up. Do you want to? you know, take us back to your background very, very early years, some of the things you were exposed to that influenced, you know, the kind of life that you lived before you got arrested and before you met Christ in the jail. Yeah, we had a lot of poverty in our, in our reserve and we had a lot of drinking, a lot of fighting, violence, uh, men beating up their women and you see that stuff. In the so you grew up to all those vices? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't do the same thing because I seen, I seen how it, what, what it does, and, and you, you just don't do that. But that's what I seen. And some people, but I was angry with, with men, I was angry with people, I was angry, you know, just angry. Mm. So at what age were you sent to residential school? Uh, about six years old. Okay, so, so you left residential school at 16? Forced to. Huh? Forced to go. First, you, forced. Oh, you were forced to go. Oh, okay, I get it. You were forced to, to, go, to, to, go, team, to go to residential yeah. school, yeah. right? Do you want to share a little bit about your experiences in, within the residential school system up until when you ran away? You were forced to go, but you, you forced yourself out of this place. <laughs> Yeah, what, what, was, what, were, what were your experiences like? Because we've read tons of stuff about how, um, um, you know, the teachers who should be protecting and preserving, you know, these people's lives, you know, were abusing them, molesting them, you know, and um, how the um, other race or ethnic group, you know, looked down on and talked down on, you know, the indigenous who were mm -hmm. mostly in the residential school. What, what was your experience or what were your experiences like? Well, there's a lot of forced stuff. We had to go to church and kneel down and get up and we had to learn Latin. We had to learn uh, we had to fast on Sundays and we were barely eating anyway, but they did force us not to have breakfast on Sundays. We'd go to church, have to go to church almost every morning, every you know, uh, pray and you know, do all that stuff. And then uh, they were mean to us. They, um, uh, I, uh, they were just mean. Mm. They were mean to us in a lot of ways. 
uh, would have to line up, and if you didn't line up, you'd get slapped around. And if you got caught, like they'd come upstairs, you know how kids are, they want to play, they want to fool around, we were fooling around, and they'd catch us, and they'd put us, they'd make us kneel down and put books on our hands, and, and if they went low, they'd slap us or kick us or, you know, would have to. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Kneel down. And uh, if somebody peed their bed, they, they would shame them. They would they would put their their a sheet over their head and and uh, let the boys look at them and it's embarrassing. Mm. And they would have showers, but they would the, the one supervisor was would have steam baths and he would, would would have to lean against the wall and if we moved we burnt. Wow. So he he want to have it on and he was in a safe place, but all of us had to. You know, tuck our little tummy in. It was still bony, but I mean, you still had to tuck it in and hold against the wall so we didn't get burnt. Stuff like that. And uh, they'd strap us, beat us up, uh, go to bed early, you know, get up early. <laughs> Just a lot of things. Mm. Well, what this and, 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 and in the nighttime, the supervisor would take some kids and sexually abuse them. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember me being sexually abused, but I know that one of my family members, a close family member, got sexually abused. They took us one time, <laughs> and this is kind of graphic, but they took us all, maybe 150 students, they took us all to the rectory, which is the next building where the priest and the brothers stayed, and the big school was there, and they were checking our penises. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but they were checking us. And they kept some back, and they abused them. Mm-hmm. They let us go, and they kept some back and they abused them and every year that that family member that was abused would have a, a flashback and he would drink every year at, at that time of what happened to him he ended up passing away and he ended up forgiving those people i led him to the lord he, he ended up forgiving those people that did that thing to him he said ron uh I'd tell him every day. He'd call me. He'd call me. He was angry. He'd call me to go to the bar, meet him, and he was going to shoot this and do this. I'd go meet him, and I'd say, no, you can't do that. Then eventually he gave his life to Jesus, but he never, ever forgave. He still hung on. He'd drink, he'd drink. Very educated man. Mm. He'd drink and drink, but he forgave. That, that night, he for, that one, one morning, one night I had a dream, and I woke up, and I said, hey, I had a dream of this. This song called uh, Where the Roses Never Fade. I heard that song before, but I couldn't place it. And I wrote it down, I sang it. And I went to my chair and I sat for my devotions and as a prodigal son, I jumped to this man that went to, that died. I was worried about his soul because he didn't forgive. And then the Lord was showing me that this person forgave. Because I called the person that he was with and I said I had a dream about this individual. I don't want to mention their name. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, can I talk with you? And she said, yeah, I just, it was an EDO. It is my EDO. It is her EDO. And she said, I just dropped my family off at the airport. I'll meet you at Tim Hortons on 4th. I told her my story. And she said, Ron, you know what? The last time you talked to him, when he left, he forgave those people. He cried like a baby and he forgave those people. The Lord was showing me that that man made it to heaven. I was, I was, I was, I wasn't in peace for six months. That was six months to the day after he died that the Lord showed me that dream about him. 
and, and, and he forgave those people that Amen. Glory that sexually abused him. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, if we have um, questions, I think we can begin to send our questions right now. Hallelujah. All you need to do is just to um, go on um, um, any of our social media platforms, you know, and click on the link there. Ask whatever question you'd like to ask, either concerning this discussion or any other thing. But it would be fantastic if it can be concerning um, this um, discussion. Hallelujah. So, Brother Ron, I, I need you to then, you know, take us through. I know right now you do a lot. You work with the government. You Now you're seeing to, you know, the... Um, revitalizations if i may use that word of people's lives you're helping people who are living the kind of life you used to live you're helping them find the light now do you want to share about what you do right now and uh, your help you know the society become better what you do with the government your your own personal stuff that you do and all of that yeah i i um glory to god I, I, uh, I end up giving food to people. I know what it's like to be hungry. I give food packs to people and I put scripture in there, I put a Bible in there, and I teach, I try to teach people how to tithe and offer because that's how I came out of my poverty. That's how I came out of my, my just not having a car, not having this and that, not having that and not having an education, trusting in him that he can do these things. As you continue to tithe and give, he will bless you. And, and I continue to do that, and, and God just always blesses, helps me to be able, be able to bless other people. You had, you, had, you had shared with me about, okay, so let me give you a back, background, church. Um, he distributes foods or meals to the homeless. The trunk of his car is always, I've seen it before, not that I was told. I'd seen that before. When he pulls the trunk of his car open, you see packed meals, you know, and all of that. And he, you know, drives around and gives it to those on the street, you know, based on his own um, background, where he's coming from and what, you know, had happened to him. And I think you had actually also told me that there were some other things that you also give to the people because you know that they would need it. Was that toilet roll or tissue paper yeah, or something? tissue paper, yeah. Everybody needs tissue paper. <laughs> okay, so when you see people, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. When you see, when you see someone, you know, roaming the street, say of downtown, for example, homeless, what comes to your mind? I I want to help them. I want to. First of all, I pray to show me who I go to. You can't just go to anybody, because some people don't want help. Some people want to stay where they're at. But you go to the ones that want to come out of their darkness or whatever, and the Lord will show you who. So I go to them, I give them a pack, and I tell them, I have a Bible in there, and then I have uh, the Romans road, the road, the road to Romans salvation, yeah, salvation I have yeah. a little paper in there, and I have four spiritual laws mm -hmm. sometimes, or or a, or a teaching on forgiveness mm -hmm. in that pack, and and I give it to them, and I, I I'm trusting that they will come to know Jesus. If they don't, well. We'll, we'll know up there, but, but sometimes if they see me, they'll talk to me. They'll, it's an open door for 
For sharing the gospel. For sharing the gospel. The love of the love of Jesus. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. Glory to God. So you you work with the government of Saskatchewan, right? Or is that an agency you you deal with? I have a contract with them. Yes. So what do you do and how do you do I what you do? Talk to young people, pray with them, tell them life's experiences, talk about forgiveness, talk about you know, uh, don't judge, criticize, you know. Growing up, you know, as a kid, I, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a father figure to teach me. So I, I just share with them the love, whatever they want to, whatever. Whatever the Spirit of God shares with me. And That's it's personal, it's private. We, yeah. we pray. Everybody's missing. You know, everybody has education, you know, looking after their body looking after their health, but a lot of people don't have the spiritual aspect of their balance in their life. Right. And that's a lot of these young people are missing the spiritual part. So that's why they're sometimes a little, a little wobbly. Hmm. <laughs> you have told me that um, occasionally the coordinator, you know, would call you and say, hey, Ron, are you able to come over here? There is someone that you need to um, talk to, you know, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, that happens. They call me and they say, uh, "Could you? Do you have time to come and talk to so and so? They're struggling with suicidal thoughts, or they miss their home, or they need some, you know, they need some encouragement or prayer or something." Yes, they'll call me and I'll go. I know you also told me that you go to hospitals. Yeah, I go to pray for the sick, right? I go, I go to the hospitals. Lots of people are prayed for, but they don't come back and thank God. Mm. Lots of people are healed. Mm. <laughs> I. I've been doing that for a long time. Mm. I love praying for healing. Mm. I studied healing when I was in Yale. I mean, jail. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Come and celebrate Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, um, there are some questions here for you, Brother Ron. Um, Media, do you want to take them on after another project on confidence screen so that he can read himself? Hallelujah. I have them here, but I don't know which one they want to take first. Um, let's begin with this one in the middle that says, um, you have talked about you, you know, being born in, into poverty and, you know, very poor and all of that. This person is asking, how did giving bring you out of poverty? Uh, tithing. I, I learned about tithing and giving. So tithing is one thing, giving is another thing. You learn how to tithe. It's obedience unto the Lord. It's just saying, okay, I'm going to do it. The very first time I did it, we did it. I was with my wife, and we put our hands on the tithe. We didn't have enough for Christmas presents. We had to make a choice whether we were going to buy Christmas. It was around Christmas. Whether we were going to buy Christmas or tithe. We made, our, we made our decision to tithe. We did it. We put our hands on the thing, on, on the envelope. We stuck it in the, in the glove compartment, and we went to shop. We came out with more than we were, <laughs> were able to wow. buy. So that, that was the first time that we learned how to tithe. And we've been, I've been tithing since. And then I broke away for, like after three years, I broke away for a couple months. But I knew I was on the wrong side. But I've never, ever looked back since then to keep on tithing. Then I learned how to give. Give, and shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken, gather, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Amen. I learned how to give above and beyond my tithe. Amen. Just a sacrificial, sometimes it's sacrificial, yes. just like when I came to you. Yes. It's just, it's just you got to do it. 
you know, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, and when you do it, he will look after your situation, or he'll look after that, whatever you're... Okay, so, um, you know, Brother Ron had, had shared, I, I didn't mention his name, but I'd shared last two Sundays that someone called me and said they wanted to meet me in church, you know, and handed me over a draft. It was actually Brother Ron. And while we were having that discussion, you were telling me that um, one of the things you love about me or you love about the church is that um, I encourage the people to tithe. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's very ironic because that is what people don't like about church. Yeah, I... I, I know, but that's, it's good that you, you're bold enough to do it. Some pastors don't do it anymore. Some churches don't do it anymore. They don't talk about the tithe or even giving. And it has to be done. It, it, it's in scripture. It has to be done. And even if it, it doesn't float your boat, you, you, you should obey. You should follow the, the, the precepts of the Lord. So and tithing and giving. God used those two to break the hold of poverty over your life. Yes, amen. Yeah. Well, I think um, maybe it will make more sense now that you're hearing from someone who is not at least your pastor. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's going to make more sense because, you see, it's a mystery that many people really don't understand. You cannot put God first huh? and not... And not be sorted. What pains me the most about people is being broke, not having enough, and you're not having enough or you are broke not because you had expended what you have on kingdom's assignment. It's not that, oh, hey, I would have loved to do this thing right now, but I cannot do it because I just tithed. But you can't do what you want to do simply because you spent your money on paying bills. Someone had I walked up to me before and said that um, that she sends, she gives to charity, she looks for people who need funds, and these are the people she tithes to. I said, that's not your tithe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're giving generous donations. That's what you're doing. You're mm -hmm. giving to people. That's not tithe. What God says is a tenth of your income. It belongs to him. You should bring it mm -hmm. into the storehouse. Mm -hmm. And you see, it's so basic. And I don't understand why it is too hard for many people to fully grasp. So this person then said to me that um, um, one of the reasons why I don't is because um, I have so many bills to pay and all of that. But in my mind, I was like, that's actually why you keep having bills to pay and you're not able to sort out the bills. You see, many people, many of us really need to get to a decision, you know, make a decision as we're growing, crossing into a new year, and speak to the Lord, you know, about your financial commitment to the kingdom. You want God to entrust more to you. Huh? But the little that you have, you're finding it hard to let go of it. You're working right now making $40,000 a year, $50,000, $60,000, maybe even just a minimum pay job. Yet you want to, you're praying and saying, Lord, give me more. Lord, change my job. Lord, favor me. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. You've not shown faithfulness 
in the little that has been committed to your hands. Maybe this would be a good time to actually even share this. You see, in the year 2022, one of the things God told me about this ministry is that He's going to be raising people up financially. Trust me. Trust me. He's going to be raising people up financially. If the Lord knows uh, that it is in your heart, He will commit it into your hands. So when you say, I've given out, I did this charity donation, and I didn't know. Act chapter number four. Go ahead, sir. Tithe first. Give to the Lord first. If you don't have enough for your bills, give to the Lord first. He'll look after that bill after. It's just trusting in God. It's showing who who do you love. Between the bills. Yeah, the the bills. Or him. You put it to him, he'll look after it eventually. It it, it all worked out for me all the time. You You know, Brother Ron, one of the things that has helped me you know, in there is no, God knows, there is nothing I have huh, that the Lord would say it needs it right now, that I will find it very hard to let go. It's not, I, I, I pray never to have such stuff. Mm-hmm. One thing that I know is this. People don't give, they don't tithe because there is no desire to do so. Do you know that the moment you begin to the moment it becomes habitual for you, you begin to feel strange when you don't give. Do you know that for me, for example, even when I'm not in ch- for days, Sundays that I'm not in church, in lofty heights, I'd give in the church where I'm serving because I consider it a seed to that ministry. I'd give to, 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 to this ministry too. Yeah. And one secret for me is every year, I up the ante on my giving. Mm-hmm. I elevate it a little bit. Every year. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you want to, you know, raise yours to. If you're used to giving, if you give just $5, $5, $3, $5, you know, this year. Trust God. Mm-hmm. Lord, in 2022, I want to add a dollar on $5. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you will not die. Lord, I want to add one cent on that which I'm given mm-hmm. and see as it begins to make things available for you as it begins to make things available for you yes. many of the goodness and the blessings and the benefit that I've enjoyed in life were not as a result of paychecks paychecks can't do it no. take a look for example the app I was still talking to someone last night and I was saying to the person I said no disrespect to lofty heights but I feel the church does not deserve that building because you are not worth it. That's the truth. In terms of size, number, in terms of income, no. No. But in the midst of us, gathering funds, you know, for the ark, we're still giving out. So we sit into other ministries, mm-hmm. making sure that no members of the church, you know, go to bed hungry. I pray God gives us understanding in Jesus' yes. name. Do you have mm-hmm. more questions? Can you display that? If you're having suicidal thoughts, but you're already a Christian, what can you do? It says, if you're having suicidal thought, but you're already a Christian, what can you do? Brother Ron, can you share on that based on your own experience? I, I would plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my mind and pray. You know, it, it's tough to pray in that time, but I wasn't a Christian when I was committing, su- committing su- uh, contemplating suicide. 
But after I became a Christian, thoughts would come. So it says, take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Amen. Take your thoughts captive, cast them down, Amen. and plead the blood of Jesus Christ and ask for love, faith, you know, ask for God's intervention, ask for, you know, guidance, joy. Amen. You know, you don't have to let those things stay on there. Cast them out. Amen. Take authority. You have the power. God did everything. It's up to us. To Amen. Amen. Cut them down. Amen. Amen. I, I think, um, I think um, we should also move on. Um, please share more. How did I find lofty heights? Yeah, that's church. a good one. That's a good one. I was uh, contemplating looking for another church, and I said, uh, God, I, I seen Lofty Heights online, and they said you have to register online. And I said, Well, I don't want to register online, and I'll just go check it out. So I came here. I thought they had a desk to you know call your name, and which was good. They didn't have a desk. I just walked in. But before coming in here, I was praying for a place where they believe in deliverance. And I was, I'm, I was shocked. I met two people out there that were delivered from, in the ministry, mm. from your ministry, from crystal meth. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for deliverance. I believe in healing. I'm looking for deliverance. Does the church do deliverance today? Because many churches are not taking in people and having them delivered by the power of God. And that's what drove me. And I said, okay, I'm staying here. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. And I love those two people. I meet them every Sunday and I love them. They come here and they're a brother and sister of mine and I really love them and I appreciate their testimony. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Do you have... Do you want to answer this or you want me to skip no. that? Okay, skip, skip that. Please keep that and give me a, Is that all that you have? That's it. Okay, all right. Okay. So that's, that's all that they have for, for, for questions. There are no more questions here. If you have any, I think um, we can just also quickly, you know, send um, them in. If you have them, they will keep refreshing that side. So okay. for the ministry, since you've been in Lofty Height, you know, you found um, that which was concerning for you. And let me say very upfront that what it means you know by a place where deliverance you know is done is simply because of his background and because of his growth in the faith his study of the word he knows that it's the the scripture comes with power mm -hmm. so he was actually speaking about a place where it's not just Word, 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 mm -hmm. word. Where the power of the Lord is demonstrated. Am I right? Yes. So yes. how's your experience been, been here? I, I love it. I, 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 the Amen. presence, when you come in, when you're doing the, the worship, or right away they're praying in tongues. Oh, I just love that. I, I stand there and I'm just about floating off my feet in the presence <laughs> of the Lord. Honest, that, that's what I love. Amen. And Glory to Jesus. And the service and it's good. Glory to God. So, um, before I let you go tonight, Brother Ron, I just would say that um, um, for someone who is watching us right now, you know, still stuck in drugs and alcohol, you know, wondering what life is and all of that, or for someone who actually has said goodbye to these lives, but they keep being haunted 
you know, by the memories of their, of their past. What do you have to say to them? I just say that uh, God loves them and, and there are two ways that it's God's way or the other way. But God loves you and wants to set you free, wants to help you. You give him your heart, you give him your life. He'll break that power and that addiction off your life and set you free from your past. He'll help you. Call on him and, you, and he will bless you, help you. He will help you, intervene for you. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you celebrate Jesus tonight? Would you celebrate Jesus tonight? Come on, celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Is there any other thing you feel like sharing or you feel that you... I just love Lofty Heights. I love the people. Amen. Yeah, man. We love you. I appreciate you, you and your, Thank your you. wife. I, I just Thank you, sir. She loves you also. I'm sure she's watching online. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, sir. We love you, too. And your music is just awesome. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. These expressions, would you celebrate Jesus? Yes, amen. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. When I saw Brother Deolua on that, um, what was he wearing? Is that a dungeon? <laughs> you know, I began to ask myself that. Ah, wouldn't I get something like this? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory mm, to Jesus. We trust this is going to be the last recharge, you know, in this year. And um, we trust God that um, with our movement to the ark, um, that God is going to do much more. Mm, you know, awesome. through this yes, ministry. I, I believe so too. I was telling that to Taylor. That Amen. God's going to expand your ministry. Amen. Glory to God. We mm. would believe so much. <laughs> we believe so much that too. Hallelujah. Celebrate, brother Ron, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Celebrate God. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. What a night. Amen. Can we rise up on our feet tonight? I don't know if you were able to glean, you know, any lesson or lessons, you know, from all that he shared. One thing is very certain. For a man to be delivered, you know, there must be the willingness to be delivered. You heard him when he said, even he's, when he's walking down downtown and meeting people, he just does not walk up to anybody. He had to ask God who, you know, he should talk to. Because many of them are not ready to be free. But for the one who is ready to be free, deliverance is made available. Hallelujah. Another very potent lesson, like I shared earlier on, you know, was his ability to stand on God's word. And you see, I've, 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 you know, explained this to us repeatedly as a ministry. The word is the secret to my own life. See that the ark. Second Samuel chapter number 7, 9 to 10 delivered it. Glory to God. That scripture delivered the ark. All you need to do is just to glean the word. And stand on it. I know on Sunday when Lady T brought us the word, hallelujah, glory to Jesus. When Lady T brought us the word, you know, on Sunday, I know that one of the questions she must have asked was, what word has the Lord given you concerning the new year? How many of us indeed have received the word? You don't have to even signify by the reason of your hand. What's the Lord talking to you about concerning the new year? You know, people make resolutions. 
and say, okay, so um, in the previous year, I lived my life this way in the new year. I want to do this. I want to do that. Those things are beautiful. But you see, except there is deliberate intentionality from your part, you will not be able to do those things. That's why people form new year resolutions. And before the 5th or the 3rd of January, it's already broken. And because it is broken, you don't know what happens. The devil then says to them, there is no need holding on to your resolution anymore. After all, you've already flouted it and they continue in the same. Every saint has a past. And that is the reason why there is a hope for the sinner. Meditate on that a little bit. Every saint has a past. And that's why there is hope for the sinner. So if you see the one that God has cleansed, that God has raised, that God is doing incredible things through, don't think they just, that just happened. Don't think that just happened. I remember that my, one of my very first encounters with Brother Ron was one day on a recharge service like this, sir. Right? You remember? He just called me and then said, Pastor, I want to go get a car. And I needed to just pray with me and agree with me, you know, that God would favor me. He's leaving the practicality of Proverbs chapter number 3, 4 to 7, that he shared. I mean, for a man of his age, with his exposure and all of that, what does he need a pastor to pray with him for, or to agree with him on for, you know, for a car? He said, I just want you to agree with me that I'm going to be favored, and that I'm not going to be swindled. And he said specifically, he said he does not want a car that will bring, um, what do you call it? That will, that will be a burden on him. So I held his hand and I prayed with him and I, de- and I declared that God was going to favor him. The following Wednesday or thereabout, two Wednesdays later on, he called me and said I should come and dedicate the car. I got outside, white Lexus, SUV. And he opened the trunk, and that was where I saw Mills parked in the trunk of his vehicle. So that's why I can tell you that it's not what he told me. I saw it. So I asked him, what do you do with all of all these things? He said, he's distributing them, you know, to others. He broke the hold of poverty through kingdom investment and giving sacrificial giving to people when he called me and I met with him here on that Monday and he gave me the draft you know towards the ark he said um, you said you had given yours I said yes he said he was touched and he said to himself if pastor did it I must also do mine too see Financial liberation does not answer to prayer. If it answers to prayers, if it is by prayer, your ability to pray yourself out of poverty, huh? those ones who have not accepted the lordship of Jesus, they will not be the rich, they will not be some of the richest people on the earth. They won't be. They won't be. It answers to giving. And that's why I always ask to say to us, if you receive a paycheck. And you spend everything on yourself alone. You're of all men most miserable. It 
doesn't matter what you earn. It doesn't matter what you earn. Let the Lord know that this is not even, you know, it is not, you know, negotiable. This belongs to him. You heard him. When you take care of that, of God's business, God will take care of your business. As we've been shouting, screaming, trusting, praying for the ark, there are people who never give a cent towards the ark. Yet God has blessed them. Not that they are not working. Not that they do not have. But for them, their priorities are just different. And that is fine. Where you expend your money or how you spend your money will tell where your heart truly belongs. At the end of the month, do an expense, you know, of your giving. Of, I mean, of your bill. Then begin to ask yourself critical questions. Of all that you spent this month, how much went into advancement of God's kingdom? That is the way to grow. Jesus says, build your treasures. Huh? Build your treasures in places where there is no moth. There is no moth. Everything a man spends money on on earth, they're all expenses and liabilities. The only money you'd ever give or spend anything on is the one you give, number one, to the poor. And the one that you give towards the advancement of God's kingdom. Those are the ones that will outlive you. Proverbs chapter number 9. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay him back. It's a basic principle of life. It's a basic principle of life. And as a church, we are practicing such too. I called the MJ and discussed with all of them and I said, there are people this Christmas right now who do not have what to eat. Some are struggling. Yes, we are trusting God for that. Take out of that money, go and get a little stuff and go give to families that you feel, you know, may be blessed by some of all these things. Don't say you don't have enough. The little that you have is enough. I'm not saying give your money, you know, to those who will take it, go do drugs and all of all those stuff. But let your, let your money go into the place where you feel your treasure truly belongs. That's extremely very important. I see people, you know, in this church, sometimes when I get the start, you know, of giving and all of that, all that they have, one dollar, five dollars, my heart, my heart, my heart leaps for joy. Because many still don't understand, Sister Princess, that it is not in how much you are giving. Do you understand me now? Do you understand me? It is not in how much you are giving. If on the ark project, for example, all that you know that you have is just one dollar. Huh? I mean, we saw that same story, the widow's might in the scripture. If it is just one dollar, the Lord would accept you and accept that one dollar offering. What he does not want is you being disinterested in things that pertain to the advancement of the kingdom. And you know one of the reasons? It is because many do not consider it an opportunity. Many do not consider it a privilege. Ah! This was what David wanted to do for God. That God said, no, your hands is soiled already, so you can't even build me a house. May the Lord help each and every one of us. 
may he help us to set our priorities aright. May the Lord help us to put our money where our mouth is. May the Lord give us the wisdom to break free from poverty and from lack. May the Lord give each and every one of us the understanding to knowing that it is a privilege to give towards the advancement of his kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. In lofty heights, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. So you're under the sound of my voice tonight. You've not accepted the Lordship of Jesus or you once did and you went back into the world. Would you please all eyes closed, all eyes bow, say this after me. Dear Father, I thank you for leading me to your house tonight. I repent of my sins, confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died and I believe you rose again. Fill me with your spirit, saturate my heart with your love, Keep me in your warm embrace forever from this moment. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.